0: Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. What was the point of this? We don't have to live by law and just do things out of obligation. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And with God's spirit, these are some of his characteristics, the nature of God. And as we decide to live life to the fullest as a Christian, we're going beyond just believing in Christ and now I know I'm saved. We're saying, I'm going to live with God's spirit in me. And with God's spirit in me, I'm going to live even a greater life. I'm going to live with peace. I'm going to live with joy. I'm going to live with gentleness. Okay? So we see that here. We see gentleness. Now, gentleness we have is, the Greek for that is meekness and humility. So meekness we often think of as weakness. Has anyone ever thought that? Did you ever think the definition of being meek? Like meek is a mouse. Have you ever seen that one? Oh, they're meek, right? They're really meek, meek and mild. I don't know. I used to always think that as a kid. Maybe it was just me. Maybe I watched some sort of cartoon where I saw like a mousy figure described as meek, and that's what I thought the word meant. And I'll tell you what happened to me. I was on a board of a nonprofit, and we had the president of the board was stepping down, and we had to nominate somebody, and I prayed about it. And I really felt like the Lord was saying, nominate this woman because she is meek. Now, my earthly interpretation of the word meek thought weak, and I thought, I'm not going to get up in public place at a meeting and say, this woman is meek, let's make her the president of the board. I'm like, God, you don't know what you're talking about. You better, we got to go back, you know. So I, I, the next day I get up and I go through my prayer list and I pray, to like, who should I nominate to the board and why? And the Lord says, I want you to nominate this woman here and tell everybody it's because she's meek. And I was, now I'm getting mad at God, right? I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. I do, and she's not meek. I'm not going to tell everybody she's meek. That's like, that's like an insult. And then basically God was like, why don't you look it up, right? Like, why don't you look up what does the meekness mean in the Greek, right? We're seeing it written in the Bible because Jesus said, blessed are the meek, right? That's, that's a Bible verse. So I'm like, okay, so I need to say that this woman is meek. So I looked it up, and guess what it is? It is strength under control. Did you guys know my husband, Todd, right? Todd, look at you. Come on down. He is strong. He is, you know, this guy, right? He's this guy, that, and he's meek. What does that mean? He's got strength, but he's got it under control. Whereas, like, you know, I've got a different type of strength, and I am not under control most days, right? Somebody might say, Oh, she's out of control, right? I'm telling you what I think, when I think, it's just come out of my mouth. Whereas, like, he's able to control what he's thinking and he thinks about it. The other day, we were at some property that we have, and I went down and I saw the trees, and I dug up um, a piece of the tree and I wanted to transplant it to a different part. And for literally the last 10 years that we've been going to this property, I've said, oh, I love the little birch trees. I love, I put my hammocks by the birch trees. And he's never once corrected me. I go down there and I dig up a chunk of it to go move it somewhere. And I start looking at the leaves and I'm like, and I said to my husband, I said, I don't think these are birch trees. He goes, they're not. I'm like, for the last 10 years, I've said over down there by my birch trees. He goes, well, I didn't need to correct you. He goes, You thought they were birch trees, but they're not. They're aspens. And I'm like, now me, on the other hand, if you would have come and and said they were something else, I would have argued with you. I would have had to prove a point. I would have had to say it. My intelligence was different. You know, no, they're birch trees. I would have argued. And him knowing me just thought, eh, they're aspens, but let Mary believe they're birch trees. Why does it matter what they think she thinks they are? What is the difference? His strength was in knowing what they were But he kept it under control So that's meekness. So that's interesting. So gentleness is meekness, which is strength under control, but it's also humility See humility is a low opinion of self You don't believe that you're above others You're modest You have a modest sense of self So I would say not only was he meek in that conversation, but he was also humble And saying, "I know I'm right, but I don't have to prove it to her. I don't have to argue with her." So for 10 years, he just let me refer to the birch tree stand of trees, right? But he had a sense, a modest sense of himself. He's like, "Well, I thought they were aspen, but I didn't want to say anything." What was he doing for his wife in that moment? He was being gentle. See, that's, my friend, is the difference, right? I wouldn't have been gentle. I would have been critical. I would have been like, those aren't aspen. What do you think? Those are birch. Don't you see the white thing on it? There's, you know, the, those, are, those, are, those are birch trees. And in that moment when I realized that for 10 years he let me believe that they were as- or birch, when really they were aspen, I realized that, like, that was strength under control. That was humility. That was not him having, I'm going to feel good about myself if I can prove her wrong. And see that, my friends, is a quality of Christ. I always find this interesting. You know, he didn't come into a village and go and knock on the doors and say, hey, you've got, you've got a problem here. I'm going to come and bring healing to you. Or, hey, this is what's going on here. Or, hey, this is what's going on here. Did he? He just would go and he would talk and they would come. He was humble He was meek. He was gentle in all of his ways. Let's look here. We've got here in Philippians. I love this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, we're told, Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. We're not instructed as Christians to let our intelligence be evident to all, or our superiority be evident to all, or our righteous indignation be evident to all, right? But we've talked about this, Len and I, right? How some Christians, it's gotten to a point today, right, where you've got to make a point, you've got to prove yourself, you've got to be right in all things. And really, that's not what Christ is telling us. He says right how will they know us you will know them by their fruit what fruit do we have is one of our fruits gentleness now if you're gentle it doesn't mean you're a pushover you still got strength but you're in control right i've been in situations and i've mentioned it before where people have come in and they've been upset and i just listen to them and then when they're done i then take control and talk right but i don't have to be superior and put them down i can listen to what's going on so we can do this so I wanted to think of a story to talk to you about gentleness and how it can literally change somebody's life. And the Lord brought to my memory this young man. I'm going to call him Sam. It wasn't his name, but I'm going to call him Sam. And I first met Sam and saw Sam when I was preaching at the chapel of the Good Samaritan Rescue Mission probably five years ago, maybe six years ago, okay, so I'm preaching, and at that time, everybody uh, would be encouraged to come down. They would shut down the men's wing, the women's wing, the family wings, and the workers would come down, and so they could either go wait in the lobby, go outside, or they could come into chapel. So most people came into chapel, even if they weren't a Christian, even if they didn't really want to, they just, everybody kind of came down, and, and Sam, Sam came down. And Sam was sitting in the back corner, and what's interesting is, and you guys know this, right? You can see things with your physical eye, but there's also a spiritual dimension, right? Um, And there's things in the Spirit, and most Christians don't see things in the Spirit all the time, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will will reveal something for you to be aware of. So Sam was sitting in the far left corner, because the men would sit on the left side of the sanctuary, and he seemed very big, and there was almost like this big black cloud around Sam. And I preached. And just kind of, he was sitting in the far back corner, as far away from me as possible. And after service, a lot of times people come up and talk to me or want prayer, different things. And so that happened just like normal. And, and usually people kind of trickle out. And especially those, if they, maybe they want to talk to you, but they're not willing to wait. They might go. And, but usually there's always somebody left waiting. And this particular night, it was Sam. And Sam was standing there and he was ready to talk to me. And in the spirit, it looked like he was eight foot tall and just just this big black cloud. But in all reality, he was about my height, maybe even a little bit shorter. And as I got close to him, he had this hooded sweatshirt on and it was all black, he was wearing all black and he kind of had it down over his head. And as he finally started to talk to me, I kind of could see through underneath this hood on him that he was a young, young man, like maybe 20 years old, okay? And, you know, very slight built and um, not an eight-foot tall, you know, guy by any means, just this skinny little white kid, you know, and in this hoodie. And, and he begins talking to me. But what I found really interesting was that the men's director had not gone back to the men's unit with the men. He had gone back there, unlocked the doors, but he came back, and he was walking back and forth in the hallway. Every time he'd walk past the door, he'd kind of peek in to make sure that I was doing okay with Sam, which was very uncharacteristic of this man. This man had known me for years. I had been preaching there for years, and he was used to me talking to guys, and this is the first and pretty much the only time I've ever seen him hover while I was talking to somebody. I'm thinking, and I'm literally, this is, you know, this was five years ago, so I was even heavier than I am now. I'm thinking like, dude, like, I weigh more than this kid. Like, you know, what are you so worried about? Like, I'm gonna be okay. But as I talked to Sam, I began to realize that something was happening, and it almost happened, like, it felt like outside of my control. Sam had a lot of questions about the Bible and he liked to argue. And he would quote things that weren't true, that weren't in the Bible. I found out later why, but as I'm listening to him, all of a sudden, words began to come out of my mouth and it was almost like it was like third person. Like, I'm standing back here watching me speak to Sam. And these words are coming out of me as I'm responding to him. And when those moments happen, I know it's the Holy Spirit, right? Because it's not me. And I pray before I would go in there, Holy Spirit, give me words to say. You know what people need to hear. And it was interesting because as I'm like standing back here, spiritually speaking, watching myself talk to Sam, one thing I noticed is, number one, my voice is getting louder and has more authority in it. It wasn't like I was yelling at Sam. I wasn't like, but it was odd. It was like the words I was saying Were loud in my heart, in my head, in my spirit, and I literally am having a conversation with myself as these words are coming out of me, and I'm thinking, "What am I doing? I like to be meek and mild when I'm here. I like these people to know how much I love them. I like to be, you know, quieter and more sensitive to them." But it was like my body, it was like the Holy Spirit in me wouldn't let me talk nice to Sam. Instead, I began quoting scripture and said, no, the word of God says this. And it was almost like, as these words were coming out of me, the black cloud around Sam got smaller and smaller and smaller. And all of a sudden, all I could see in front of me was this young kid. And all of a sudden, the argumentativeness stopped And Sam was able to, like, speak out of his own words for the first time and ask me some real serious questions. And then I was able to just very gently talk to him. At the time, I didn't understand what was happening, right? I didn't didn't get it. I, I didn't understand it. I just knew that was something odd. It had never happened like that before. And eventually, Sam went back to his thing, his unit, the men's unit, and I'm stand, I find myself standing out in the hallway with the men's supervisor, and um, he says, Do you know who he is? And I'm thinking, It looks like a scared 20 year old. <laughs> he has a lot of questions about the Bible, and he looks really misinformed. He didn't really know what the Bible said. <laughs> and he's like, He's a Luciferian. And I just had to stop for a minute and think about that. I'm like, well, Lucifer was a, a Satan. That's the name that he was given as an angel. But he was a fallen angel, so now we refer to him as Satan or the devil. But we see in Scripture where he was originally named Lucifer. And so those who worship Lucifer, what we would call Satan worshipers, they don't call themselves Satan worshipers. They are following the true right entity, which is Lucifer. And they actually have their own Bible, and what it is is they've taken the Bible, and they have rewritten it, and they have translated it through Lucifer's lens, and that's why he had um, all these misconceptions. And what they have tried to do is demify Jesus and make Lucifer the hero of their story. At one point, he had said to me, well, didn't Jesus spit in the Jews' Face and tell him he had to walk till his feet bled Now for any of you that are like X-Men fans I'm thinking I think you're mistaken there That was like wasn't that Logan's girlfriend She had the power you know She grabbed hold of that one major's foot And said walk till your feet bleed And you know they found him like two days later And he was walking yeah you've seen the X-Men movie I'm thinking like they took that out of the X-Men movie or maybe that was in there first, and somebody took that from the Luciferian Bible for Men because they thought that was a great little thing. I don't know what came first. But I wanted to be like, and I just said to him, you know, and this is the thing. Harsh Mary wanted to say, Psh, no, Are you an idiot. The Bible doesn't say that. That's what, like, I'm just being real. Like, am I, I'm human. My humanity might be showing here. That's what I would have wanted to say. But when I went in there, right, I had prayed, Lord, you show me. Give me the right words to say. Instead, I said, is that in the Bible? Let's look. And I grabbed a Bible and went through all of the Gospels. We went through every chapter. We got all the way done, and I said, no. Jesus never spit in someone's face and said, walk till your feet bleed. What happened? I had strength. I had knowledge. I knew that it wasn't in the Bible. But I kept it under control, and I was gentle with him. And I took the time to answer every single one of his, well, doesn't the Bible say this? Well, let's look it up. And I would flip through and show him what Jesus really said in all these different scenarios. And what was interesting is, you know, this, this guy was all upset. He's like, Mary, and don't understand, he's like you know, had big fights, and he's like knocked men two times bigger than you down, and he's had all these issues. It's like he's got supernatural strength when he goes into these fits, and I don't know if I feel comfortable with you talking to him one-on-one, and I just said, he might have physical strength when he gets like that, but I have spiritual strength, right? I have the power of the Holy Ghost in me. Like, I'll be all right. Normally at that time, I was preaching once a week, and for whatever reason, it was God, right? All of a sudden, I get a call, like, two days later. Oh, so-and-so had to call in. Is there any way you can come in this morning? So I go in. Sam was there. As soon as I get done, Sam had lots of questions. Uh, next week, again, somebody called in. I had to go in again. And, like, on the fourth time in two weeks, I sit down with Sam, and he had asked some great questions, and the Holy Spirit just gave me the right answers. But eventually, you know, the biggest thing that, he had hung up on him and a lot of Satan worshipers have is at one point they have to sell their soul to Satan. So they believe that now Satan holds onto their soul and they cannot then in the future ever be forgiven for that and ever accept Christ because their soul has already literally been sold to Satan. And because of the sale, they get something, you know, they want out of it, but then they, they most of them walk in fear. It's a, you know, where they say f- um, faith overcomes fear and fear is the number one thing that Satan uses over people that have been in any type of satanic worship, witchcraft. It's, it's the, so afraid. I mean, uh, if you watch any of these Hollywood movies, these poltergeist movies, these spiritual movies, the biggest thing, you walk out of there, aren't, don't you feel afraid? Haven't you ever done that? Remember when the, was it the Blair Witch? What, what was that where they walked around the, in the wilderness with a camera and um, they, people thought that was real, right? right? These actors were walking around the camera. Anyway, I remember when that movie got done that there was news articles about how young women had gone in the movie theater to see this movie, and if their parking lot was near woods, they wouldn't walk to their car by themselves. They had to have the, the workers and the owners of the movie theaters have to walk them to their cars because they were so afraid after seeing this. You see, this is how Satan works, fear. So he was very afraid. He was very convinced that because he had sold his soul to Satan, he wouldn't be able to except Christ. So I'm thinking like, okay, well, I've never had this question come up before, right? And you just kind of pause, and you're like, Holy Spirit, what's the answer to this? And so I looked at him, and I said, Sam, think about it if you go and buy a car. But you don't have enough money for a car, so you get a bank loan. Do you own the car, or does the bank own the car? Technically, the bank owns the car, right? And you might promise your friend that they can drive your car and take your car. But if you stop paying on that, who's going to go and collect the car? It's going to be the bank. I said, think about that. I said, Jesus, God has created you and has given you a soul. And you might have told Satan he gets to have it. But ultimately, when you die, God is the one that's going to collect those souls and decide where it goes. So Satan has lied to you in thinking that this is your soul to give away. It was never your soul to give away. You're using it while you're here on earth, but your soul is owned by God. And so I prayed with him, and he decided to accept Christ. And he did. He, he, we prayed. He wanted God to restore his soul, to heal his soul. He repented forever worshiping Satan and um, renounced the Satan and Lucifer and had decided he wanted to believe in Christ and wanted to start this life as a Christian. Now what happened next was in my mind, something awful and I feel really bad about, okay? So I, for two weeks, have been meeting with Sam numerous times and trying to be very gentle, strength under control. Like, I had spiritual strength. I knew what was going on. Satan was warring for this young man's life. But I was gentle when I talked to him, and I was kind when I talked to him. And I knew that Satan is all about control. Satan is all about fear. And God is the opposite. He's about love. And he is about peace. And that's what God was having me show him. This is what a Christian can be. Somebody who offers you forgiveness. Somebody who says you can be restored. Somebody who says you can be healed. But I felt as though I wanted to make sure that when I walked out of there, if I didn't see him again for a week or two, that somebody would be looking out for Sam. That somebody would know he had made this decision. So I said, Sam, let's go talk to the men's director, whoever's there today, and make sure that they know that you've accepted Christ. And I should have been sensitive. Because right away, he was like, oh, I don't want to go talk to him. I don't want him to know. And I thought I was right, and I watched him down there. And we sat down in this man's office, and I said, Sam did something wonderful today. He denounced Satan. He denounced Lucifer. He's asked Jesus into his heart. He's... Ask God to restore his soul. He's asked for healing. I'm looking for this man to kind of take Sam under his wing and to love on him, right? And this man did no such thing. Instead, he was harsh. He was judgmental. Um, he was not gentle by any means. He was like, well, just because you say a prayer doesn't mean you're saved. I was like, um... All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He just asked Jesus into his heart and asked to be forgiven. Well, but are you going to live a holy life? Are you going to stop having sex with girls? Are you going to never tell a lie again? We'll check in six months to see if you're still saved. And I'm like now sitting here, sitting next to Sam, arguing with this man about what it means to be saved. I said, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Being saved doesn't mean he's never going to sin again. Being saved means he worships Jesus and not Lucifer. Hello, can we be happy here? Right? I left that place with even more of a fervency to pray for Sam. And I was so disappointed. I was so sad. And as I was getting ready to preach today, I just really felt like the Lord was saying, you were gentle and he was harsh. You were gentle and he was judgmental. And he was walking by the law and you were walking by the spirit. See, the whole passage here in Galatians that comes up to this is this debate back and forth with do Jewish Christians just walk by the law or do you walk by the spirit? Do you say that your Christianity has something to do with law and whether or not you've obeyed the Ten Commandments? Or is it about believing in Christ? See, if we as human beings have the ability to never ever sin, we wouldn't need Christ to forgive us, would we? But when we do deal with those around us who have fallen, are we gentle with them? Do we walk in love? What I love about this, that meekness is strength under control. Right? A humility of uh, not being above others. See, one of the things that that men's director did at that time was seeing how great he was, right? Because he was this perfect person. But I guarantee you, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't. I love this. One of the other ones that we're going to be going over is called self control. I love the fact that we're told to have self control, we're never told to have others control. I'm not told to control you. I'm not told to control anybody. The only person I'm told to control is me. And when we begin to put our rules and our laws on others, it's the opposite of gentleness. You know that you have strength, but yet you're able to control it and operate with gentleness. That's what gentleness is about. How many times in your day-to-day life do you use harshness and how you talk to others? How you talk to your, maybe your animals or your kids, or you deal with people at work. How many times do you use harshness and how you talk to the car next to you while you're driving down the road? Thank goodness they can't hear you, right? But your kids in the car, they can hear you. They can. I'm just being real. Like, every once in a while, I'm like, ah! or I'll do something. And Claudia will be like, what did they do? And I'll be like, nothing. I'm fine. They're fine. But I want to be like, road rage, right? In those moments when we recognize this about ourselves, right, we can ask God, help us. What's really interesting, though, is most of the time we're very harsh to ourselves. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? I don't ever want to see them again. How many times have you ghosted somebody because you were so ashamed of how the last time you talked to them that you just never called them back again? You need to be gentle with yourself, right? What does it say in Philippians 37, 11? It says, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Meek, those who are strong but have it under control. See, just because you're strong doesn't mean that you can inherit land and that you can be um, prosperous here on earth. Strong men will try to come in and take things from the weak, but they don't keep it. But if you have your strength under control, then you're respected, then you're blessed. It's interesting that the Psalms 37 says this, but the meek will inherit the land. And when you look up the Hebrew, because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, that's the Jewish um, language. These are the Jewish holy scriptures in our Old Testament that we are referring to, that they still refer to to this day. Land here literally means physically the earth, the ground. But when you go here into the New Testament, this was written in Greek because the Romans were in control of everything when it was written, and that was the universal language. Um, We see here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, the Beatitudes. And Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I think that's interesting, isn't it? That literally the word here in Psalms, when we define it in our modern day every language, it's earth. And what Jesus said, and when you translate it from the Greek, it says earth. So basically, he's kind of quoting something he knows, but he's saying it again. Whenever Jesus re-quotes something we know from the Old Testament, it's really important that we hold on to it as modern-day Christians. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We want to have heaven on earth. That's one of the things we've been told, right? So they we're told to pray for. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in the Our Father prayer. So how do we have His will to be done? One of them is to walk by the Spirit, which means we're going to walk in gentleness. We're going to be meek and humble. Just because we know we're right doesn't mean we have to say it with harshness or with power that's not under control. Sometimes we can know we're right and pause and say, Lord, how do you want me to handle this situation? So... We can be overbearing, we can be harsh, we can be controlling, or we can be gentle. And again, it's just all the other ones I've talked to you about, right? Whether it was patience, right? Whether it was faithfulness, whether it was self-control, whether it was joy, whether it was kindness, doing thoughtful things for others. Gentleness is something we have to choose. It's something we have to do. It's, it's a reaction to the situation we're in. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. reveal to us what Jesus is saying to his people. And he's saying this to us. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, not only are we at times weary and burdened with all the things that the life throws at us, but we can take on Christ's yoke of being a Christian and how we react to situations, and we can learn from him. And when we learn from him, we see that he is gentle and he is humble in heart. Now, some people will twist this and say, well, I'm just going to be a doormat and just let my family and just let my work and just everybody trample me over. Now, learn from Jesus. When there was time to overturn tables and to have a fit when something was wrong, he did that. But that wasn't his mode of operation every single day, was it? No, his mode of operation every single day was loving and kind. But he also had boundaries, He also had times where he told all 12, like, all right, you guys stay here. Only three of you are coming with me. Now, you can't tell me that. Oh, I don't want to hurt the other 12's feelings. They're going to be jealous and sad that I didn't invite them to the party up here on the hill of Mount Transfiguration, right? No. He had boundaries. He only let certain people in at certain times. When, the, when the, one of the guys' mothers came to him and said, I want my sons to stand next, sit next to you in the judgment seat at the end of all days, he just said, ha, that's not going to happen. Nope. You know, he was kind to her when he had that conversation, but he didn't mean that because I'm humble and I'm meek and I'm gentle, that I'm just going to let, you know, I'm just going to say yes to everything people want me to do. He didn't, but he was gentle and kind when he did talk to them. So this is our prayer. We need to pray that, Lord, when I'm weary, I am weary. I'm, I'm burdened. Give me rest. And I'm going to take on the yoke of you, Jesus. And I'm going to learn when to be gentle and how to be humble. And I will find rest for my souls. For your y- yoke is easy and your burden is light. Satan will try to convince us that we need to exude strength. For us, others, to take us seriously. Satan will also convince us that we need to be a doorman. We need to let other people stomp on us. But Jesus is saying, look, you you can have joy. You can have peace. You can have rest for your soul. You can be kind. You can have goodness come out of you. You can have joy. You can have patience. You have to ask me for my help, and you have to learn from me. What would be some of the number one best ways for us to learn this? And I tell this to people all the time. Just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over again. Just read them. If you've never read the book of Mark, start there. Read the book of Mark. I always tell people, can you read one chapter a day? And, you know, most of us are thinking of like a novel. Like a chapter is like 30 pages. Like, oh, Mary, I don't like to read a whole chapter. Well, if you go in my Bible here, one chapter is about a page. Chapter two starts here, chapter three starts here. That's about one page. Can you read one page a day? I have the, the version app on my phone. It reads it to me. It's a free app, right? It just reads it to me. If you don't have a lot of data on your phone, if you can go where you have Wi-Fi, you can go sit, you know, sometimes outside the library, outside of McDonald's, there's free Wi-Fi. You just hook up your phone to the Wi-Fi, sit in the parking lot, listen to one chapter. One chapter on my phone, when it reads me a chapter out of the Gospels, it's less than five minutes, typically. Five minutes every day. Could you sit and listen to one chapter? Learn of my ways. The only way I know how to learn of Jesus' ways is to read about him. Right? If I wanted to learn about Abraham Lincoln's ways, I would find a a bibliography, right, about Abraham Lincoln, and I would read about him or I'd watch a YouTube video about them, or I'd do something, right? We can learn of Christ's ways. I'm going to pray for all of you. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we thank you that you are gentle and humble, and that when we take your yoke upon us, it is easy. We ask you to help us let go of all the burdens and all the heaviness that we think we need to make us look good, to operate well, to um, these obligations we just we put on ourselves that we think if we don't do this, we're nobody. We ask you to help us let that go. And when we are right and when we have this knowledge and when we are strong in an area and somebody needs to be told, we ask you to help us to be gentle, that we don't have to show off our strength to look good, because most of the time it just makes somebody else feel bad. We don't need to make others feel bad about themselves so that way we feel good about ourselves. We need to walk in meekness and humility. But most of the time we don't remember. We react without thinking. So we're asking you to, Holy Spirit, speak through us. Help us to pause. Help us to recognize and realize when we need your help. We love you, Lord. And we want you to bless us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I hope you all have a wonderful week. There's those extra cards at the welcome desk. So grab if you think, oh, I want to take an extra set for somebody or I want to have an extra one that you want to post. Um, Grab the creamers. Grab those goldfish. And if you haven't put your name in for the Bible giveaway next month, feel free to throw your name in the thing. Talk to you all soon. God bless.